You're listening to the Who's Driving Your Car podcast, episode 86. Hello and welcome to the Who's Driving Your Car podcast, where we discuss not only who or what might be driving your life, but also the great views and experiences along the way. Do you drive in the fast lane like my wife, or do you feel like you're stuck in first gear? You only get one life to live, and it can be either a total wreck or a beautiful cruise into the sunset. We are three friends that have collectively experienced almost anything that could possibly happen in this crazy world, and we'll be discussing our personal reflections and experiences so hopefully you can avoid running out of gas and truly enjoy the wind blowing in your hair. So hop on in with us for a little road trip called life, and let's discuss who's driving your car. Aye! What's cracking like in podcast world? Welcome back to Who's Driving Your Car, episode 86. Oh, chinti says. Ooh. Ay. Did them all for you, buddy. <laughs> Today, we have got one of my very best friends on the cast with us here, a uh, buddy by the name of Justin Brashear, who's local to the good old Chuck Vegas area here. Uh, I think he's going to share a lot of good things with us today uh, on some of his journey in life that I've gotten to hear a good bit about in the first hand. Um, so we're going to be kind of channeling in, I think, for the overarching topic of personal growth and being comfortable with oneself as uh, we mature and grow through life a little bit. Justin, we're happy to have you aboard, buddy. Thank you guys for having me, and I'm thankful that you told us what we're going to talk about today, finally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. You know, he holds out on us, too, so this, that's not uncommon. Well, I thought it was pretty obvious since you've been asking to be on the cast. <laughs> from I think week one that we would just be talking about your wonderful story and I think God just put it on our hearts to do it now and, and thankfully John agreed when I said hey you want to have JB on we knew Craig would John's yeah. <laughs> hey I was all in don't let him don't let him even think that I was doubting you it's okay I'll write my book next <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's asked me like six times this week where's his book that's right I did want to get a little background I'd like to get it you know some more details so uh, Hot Dog said he was going to come through with it, but I'm still waiting. <laughs> yeah, not was not possible to come through with, um, but I do think one may be in the future for JP. Justin, you want to tell the, uh, in a quick little snippet, the uh, listeners a little bit about yourself, buddy? Sure. Um, born and raised in Lake Charles and grew up here with a couple brothers and um, grew up mostly playing baseball. I had a lot of great experiences in life. It took me a lot of great places. And uh, actually allowed me to meet my wife, which I'm sure we'll talk about her a lot more later. And um, <clears throat> now I'm running a law practice, have a five-year-old little girl and a little boy on the way. Boy on the way, man. Ooh, I know what that's like. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I. I have three girls, but they're awesome. But I'll be honest, I'm, I'm a little bit scared, not going to lie to you. I, you know, my daughter's five and we, we have a great relationship and I kind of know what to expect from a little girl, but a little boy is somewhat uh, tumultuous i think around the house probably going to tear some things up that shouldn't be torn up but we'll see that's gonna be good i know mine sure do um you know we went on vacation with all all girl families uh, a couple years back and my buddies were like oh my god your boys are just out of control how do you keep up with that because their little girls are a little more docile so it may be a change for you i think between you and ab y'all gonna be just fine man and I'll be honest, my daughter is going to be, she's probably the most excited out of any one of us. Yeah. She's probably going to be the best, the best helper that we can ask for. Yeah, she's already a little mama in herself. Mm-hmm. Here. Well, um, before we get cracking, 
I think you know this routine pretty well. Uh, Justin, to the listeners, has was an avid listener pretty well. He's he's gotten back on board. He actually gave us a shout out in a National Trial Magazine. Uh, so we have appreciated JB support here uh, along the way. Eighty six episodes in, as you know, we play a little Would You Rather. John's got it as he normally does. John. Yeah, before we get to the would you rather, uh, I just have to throw something out. You know, you guys all through the last month, through July, y'all were looking hot, and turns out you were. Y'all were on Podcast Magazine's Hot 50 once again. Congratulations, fellas. Man, I I just keep wondering, uh, to the voting people out there, I'm appreciative. (laughs) I don't know who they are. (laughs) That's right. We're still um, wondering wondering who's doing that, but we greatly appreciate y'all signing up, voting for us, uh, so keep doing it. So, on to the would you rather. Tailored for you, my man. Would you rather get a hit or make a play and get someone out? That's a pretty Since easy, you're a baseball guy. Pretty easy question for me to answer, honestly. Um, I would much rather make a play and get someone out. Uh, my position specifically as a catcher, it was one that, you know, your job was more important what you did behind the plate than what you did at the plate. And I took that to heart. So if you you look at my stats, I wasn't a very good hitter anyway. <laughs> um, they're just trying to drop bombs. <laughs> yeah, I was just swinging hard, trying to hit it out of the ballpark. But no, there there was a lot more of an impact made a lot of times on the defensive side of the ball. So it's a very easy question for me to answer. Thank you for that. All right, you're welcome. How about you, hot dog? Throwing you a softball. I don't know, man. I would probably I'd probably go with get someone out as well. To be honest, I think it's a little more memorable. Getting a hit, if it's like a walk-off hit or something, pretty memorable. But I think getting someone out, making a good play, a little more memorable, a little more, um, probably probably a little more intricate to get that done. So I would go with that. How about you, CC? Going yard. Well, I'm going to go back to the T-ball days because that's the last <laughs> time I swung a bat and ball. Actually, the first year after T-ball – Back in the old school days, and I lived in Lafayette, we didn't have coach pitch. It was like it was like T-ball, and then the next year the kids threw 90 miles an hour. And that's what I remember. And I remember uh, in practice, these guys are hardcore. Like if you – I'm a little boy. They hit the ball to you. It goes between your legs. You miss it. And I'm like, oh, I missed. And my dad would just say, let's try again. Now the coaches are like, drop and give me 10. I'm like, wait, but I'm six. And I didn't understand that. So I was being punished for, for making bad plays. And the hitting, I wasn't great either. I think I hit the ball like – Honestly, I think the first season, I'm not even sure if I hit it. And I remember going to the award ceremony at the end of the year, which we won the championship, but no thanks to me. And they were, the coach's, the coach's question, uh, son was the best one, and he was reading everybody's stats, I guess, so he could like – and I didn't have good stats. And I started sweating. I was like, man, this is horrible. They're going to call me out in front of the whole team. And he got to uh, me, and he's like, Craig, you know, I forgot if I had like one hit or something. Man, I just – I thought I had none. But I just, I lit up like, you know, I did get that hit. So for me, I'm going to say the hit that I, because I never really got the hit. I, I tended to be more of a football, basketball guy as I got older. So, uh, yes, I'm going to go for the hit and relive those that childhood memory. Very, <laughs> very, I love it. very good turned, answer. That turned into a better uh, question I than I even thought. Fantastic answer, CC. Sorry, that just came to me. Yeah, for me, I think, I, you know, it would be great, you know, if you had like a, World Series home run, something like that. But I think I, I would be on the defensive side, too, and be, yeah, you're out, buddy. Go to the dugout. No no points for you. So I think I would make a play would be what I would go for. Very awesome. good. 
Um, yeah, Craig. That was I'd love. Awesome. I would have paid money to see like six year old Craig on a baseball field. <laughs> oh God! I would have loved that. In fact, I remember being in the outfield, <laughs> and the, the, they were talking, and the coach just said, "Just put your glove up like this. Just hold it. <laughs> it's coming to you. You understand." The ball got hit, and I'm watching it fly, and it landed in my glove. Like, I have this vivid memory. Whether that's really what happened. I mean, I caught it, but I don't remember usually doing anything more than just holding my glove in the air. Have you seen The Sandlot? Have you seen that movie? I'm telling you. You sure it's not a recollection of that movie? This is what I wish we were videoing. It it was like that. I put my hand up. And it, it, in my mind, it fell in there. Unless I was translating that chart experience in the movie. But it was, that's, that was me, that guy. You, know, made, you made the play too, so look I, at that. Yeah, You're doing this 86 episodes, and you just never know what you're going to get. That's Sorry. pretty freaking awesome. Um, okay, JB. How you feeling, man? I'm good. Enjoying the ride? Yeah, it's been fun. You've already made it eight minutes. Hey, look, this is my second time on a podcast. <laughs> we did get that. I had, another, I had another podcast friend of mine that invited me on long before my good friend Matthew did. So Long before, I think about six weeks. I don't hold it against him, though. Hey, man, best for last. <laughs> we wanted you to get a little practice, get the rust off. Um, honestly, I think a lot of this, the reason that I, I've developed to want to have you on the podcast, and they two came along, because I know you very well, um, just little look in jb's family feeds me almost once a week we've had a lot of wonderful conversations shout out to his parents in-laws daughter taking me in just like family so i've appreciated that and with that i've gotten to know justin really well and i think really one of the things um i myself have gone through in my life a little bit is some getting humbled we all do at a time or another and I think that um, Justin and I have shared a lot in our happenings, uh, so I have a lot of respect for Justin. I'm looking forward to the day it's happenings here, but I think a good place to start would be your journey in baseball. Let's let's get. I'm not taking the highs to lows. It's probably not the best way to quantify it, but best way I can. But you were on top of the the world here at one point from a sports ideal. Tell us a little bit about the journey there. I think that's a good place to start. Yeah, thank you. I was very blessed at a young age to have a lot of wonderful experiences playing baseball. Um, at 16 years old, I, um, tried out for and made team USA. So, you know, the Olympics going on right now is a very big shirt on. He's got, I am wearing a USA baseball shirt today. That's correct. (laughs) I'm supporting, supporting the boys in Tokyo. I actually talked to a contact of mine at USA baseball this week. So still very near and dear to my heart, but Matthew's right. Um, 16 years old, I'm representing our country playing internationally, come back to Barb. We've won a couple of state championships, um, that is a machine over there of talent. And so, you know, you're, you're seeing scouts and, and big-time, you know, big-time Major League Baseball representatives at your games. Um, I was a very highly sought-after recruit, uh, college baseball. I was a very highly sought-after draft prospect. And I, in light of that, I had a lot of wonderful experiences across the country, played literally coast-to-coast, internationally, like I said. And to Matthew's point earlier – you know, eventually I lived the childhood dream of being able to play professional baseball. And that ultimately brought me um, to California in 2008. And talking about being humbled, that was really where I think, you know, that moment was very pivotal for me because that's where my baseball journey ended, but my life journey began. And uh, it was the, you know, late June of 2008, and I actually got released from my contract. Um, with my, you know, my wife, we were married in January of 2008. So she's, we're, you know, five, six months into this thing. And 
all of a sudden her husband has no job, no, no money, no insurance. And we're across the country and having to figure out life. But that was a great opportunity. Uh, looking back on it, you know, seeing it for what it was, being humbled in that moment and, and realizing that, you know, one childhood dream had ended, but now the rest of my life could live, you know, and, and I was free to go do those things that I'd really wanted to do all along. And I think before we chuckle along to maybe the story in the, the car, which is where I would want to go, tell the listeners a little bit, because I think she's got a lot to be said for herself. And Justin's, I think, a very proud husband and father here. Tell us a little bit about your wife and your daughter. Absolutely. I love talking about them. So my wife and I met. We had a mutual friend. We were 19 years old, and uh, we had a mutual friend. I was playing summer baseball in the Cape Cod League, which is a prestigious collegiate baseball summer league, and convinced her and my friend, her friend, you know, our friend, to come along for a vacation trip up there, which gave me an opportunity to spend some time with with her and and be around her and really started our connection with one another. And uh, we we talked every day throughout that summer, came back home. I was going to school at Ole Miss. She's going to school at LSU, which is a five-hour drive up I-55. And that woman put so much time, effort, and energy into making our relationship continue to grow and pushing me to the boundaries of where I was comfortable and making me, you know, a better version of myself. She did that long distance. And then when I, you know, started playing professionally, she flew all, all over the country, did the same thing there. And, you know, we went from a five-hour drive to a seven-hour plane ride in some, you know, some circumstances. Um, and she's been my, my biggest cheerleader, my, my best advocate, my best friend and, you know, mentor, coach, whatever you want to call it the whole way on top of being an incredible, you know, person in, in her own right. Then she blesses me with a, a child five years ago who may look like me, but is a spitting image of her mom when you start talking about personality and, um, you know, I read something the other night about this and I thought it was, it was very, um, it was very deep for me. And somebody had said, you know, I didn't know whenever I got a daughter that I actually got a second wife. <laughs> and it feels that way sometimes, you know, because now I look at both of them and, and they, they're just alike, you know, when it comes to wanting to go to Target or wanting to go to dinner or whatever, they're, they're very similar. And so, you know, that, that has been the most fulfilling part of my life, being a father and being a husband. And um, I'm looking forward to the next one coming along. So it sounds like she saw a lot of talent on you early on uh, as a prospect of being a trophy husband. You know, I... <laughs> and I first was wife. Wait, what are you... No, I to? actually refer to myself as a trophy husband. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was like, yeah, oh, that's a good... This. Yeah. So she, she does a lot of work. She, when I first met this dude, that's yeah. what he talked about. She puts in a lot of hard work behind the scenes and doesn't ever get credit for it. And, and she lets me go do the things that I need to do, you know, f- to fulfill myself. And we, we did joke about it with, mm-hmm. with Mama Bear a little bit around here about me being a trophy husband. In fact, when I first started working with Matthew, they my nickname was TH for trophy husband. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. funny. Yeah. Literally like rolling out his clothes, the outfit he's wearing yeah. every day, looking at my spiffy, yeah. sodding the yard. Uh, yep. She sodded their whole yard. Like it's not like a small yard either. That's oh, that's man. a fact. I was working upstairs in my home office and I was looking out the window and I saw her sodding <laughs> the yard. And it's like, guys, it's it's uh, it's – may when this is going down so it's pretty warm and she makes eye contact with me and i'm acting like i'm on the phone and she's like nah try again buddy try again come out here so i went out there and gave her about five minutes of really poor 
workmanship in the yard and she said hey look i'm probably better off doing this myself (laughs) (laughs) so i thought that was useful intel because um tell us into the journey you then as as you alluded to earlier you own your own law firm been practicing law here for a little while now the journey from losing the i guess it's i could relate some an inward and outward appearance of being a, a baseball player into folding into the journey and how you decided to go to law school and and i think autumn had a participated in that uh happening as well huh she did you know and and that's a great point baseball in and of itself can certainly be a consuming identity for people and you get lost in that that mindset of i'm a baseball player i don't have to worry about anything because we got a game or we got practice or we got this or we got that even in school when i'm in college i mean athletes were treated differently i went to go get my books the first day of class and they hand me this perfectly you know bound box with books in it and i'm bypassing a line of 400 people it just didn't, it was weird, you know, and then you go and you start playing professional ball or, you know, travel. There's people that are picking up your bags. Like I heard a couple of episodes ago when I'm listening to the podcast again, <laughs> I heard, welcome, John. I heard Alan Heiser talking about, you know, uh, Lawrence Taylor's bag. And that's true, man. Like when you, you get on a bus outside of the stadium, you leave your stuff on the side of the road and somebody picks it up, you know? And so you get, get out of that mentality and that mindset. And you realize that, no one's going to do it for you anymore. You have to go do it yourself, and it becomes a challenge. And, you know, unfortunately in my my life, I've been – or fortunately and unfortunately, I should say. Fortunately, I've been exposed to a lot of different people in a lot of different places. Unfortunately, I've seen some of my friends struggle with that identity crisis when they, they lose the baseball aspect of things. And that's a that's a very steep and very quick spiral for a lot of people. And I'm very fortunate that I had the support that I had to, to get out of that spiral and to be challenged, you know, outside of that. Um, the night I got released, and this goes back even to then, I mean, A.J. Hinch, who was, you know, whatever it is with the Astros, and now he's the manager of the Dodgers, or excuse me, the, the Tigers, he's the one that released me. And A.J. told me in, in the meeting when he's, you know, basically taking away my childhood dream, you have two options. You can either turn the page and tell us we're wrong and go prove us we're wrong, or you can go on and live your life and be a good person, be a good you know human being. I said, you know what, that's the path I want to go down. And uh, driving home from California, you're right. You know, I don't I don't know if so, if so much Autumn, um, you know, kind of hinted about being a lawyer, but she certainly told me I should go to law school. Uh, I had no <laughs> I had no intentions of being a lawyer, um, but you know I started thinking about it and and it made sense. You know, because I, I was blessed with some. Um, some academic abilities and, and, uh, I had a good agent that helped me navigate the process of making sure school was still paid for. So we, we were, we were on the, you know, we were on the two yard line really when most people start on the other side of the field. So, you know, we were in a very good place and and I, I felt it was incumbent upon me to take advantage of those opportunities that were presented. And so we made a decision and I tell people all the time, you know, the, just because I'm a lawyer doesn't mean that, you know, I did it by myself at all. And, and I, I, I genuinely believe it and feel it when I say we did it. We went to law school. We passed the bar. You know, we started our practice because every, I may be the forward-facing person that goes out and does the work, but I can only do the work because of who I have on my team. And I recognize that, and I'm thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, I don't I – don't, it was either – honestly, it was either law school or med school. So <laughs> I, chose the, I chose the quicker path to get out and, and have a family. And I would say that when we talk about identity, don't let a book fool you by its cover. 
Because Justin is actually a pretty smart individual over here. Very organized. I'm not sure if I take offense to that. <laughs> when I, well, first... I can tell you he does, tell, he does say that behind your back, too. So. Uh, okay. No, I do. I, I genuinely, like when I met him, I just knew you as a baseball player. Well, I and... still remember that. And then uh, we've done a lot of work together, and he's actually way more academia than me. And I tell you, I appreciate, I do appreciate that. And and part of that comes back to what I've learned looking at myself introspectively for the last, you know, eight, 10, 12, 15 years is that, you know, growing up every, every step of the way, I've always been the one fighting the stigma or fighting the, the, um, I don't even know the word it's called, you know, the, the stereotype fighting mm-hmm. the stereotype, you know, you're, you're a dumb jock, you're a great athlete. You obviously don't do very well in school. Well, you know, proving people wrong was, I didn't really care to do it, but I just did it. I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to be able to do that. You get, came out hardcore wearing bow ties. I did, yes. And <laughs> I, was, I was, was trying to be, get the perception to be a reality. I will give T. Claude Duvall credit on that. He <laughs> told me I cannot wear bow ties in his office. And I appreciate him for that, you know. So, And then I had a cousin tell me that two people wear bow ties, and it's a clown or a law professor. And I'm not smart enough to be a law professor, so I look like a clown, which I appreciated that. But, uh, no, seriously, though, you know, fighting stereotypes, overcoming the dumb jock metaphor, you know, going into pro baseball and, and having the, the stereotypes of, oh, you're, you know, you're, you're out there and you're, you're not going to sign autographs for kids because they're not paying you or you're, you know, out running around on your, on your girlfriend, wife, whatever. I always made it a point to overcome those stereotypes. And even now, you know, I'm a plaintiff's lawyer, admittedly. And, and a lot of people look at us as – you know, in a negative light. And I try to do things in a way actively and affirmatively doing things in a way that, that proves otherwise. And I'm never going to take it for granted that somebody takes me at my word. I'm always going to want to go do more to prove it to them over and over and over again. And that's something I learned from my wife because clearly as a lawyer now, you know, we're good at talking and we're on a podcast to talk. Talk is cheap though. So, you know, your actions have to speak louder than your words. The most cliched metaphor there is but it's honestly the truth, and, I, and I've learned that, and I've experienced that over time, and I'm very appreciative for all the people that surrounded me with that love and support and, and honestly the challenge to go out and to, to bring out what other people saw in me internally to bring that out and, and to make an impact in this community. And I think that you've done a good job in being able to utilize a lot of your skills on the baseball field translating into the career, family life, being driven, working hard, uh, not giving up on something, being structured, oriented. Can you talk about maybe utilizing some of the gifts in a previous part of your life toward present part of your life? Absolutely. The most important thing that I've ever experienced in my life is is tremendous levels of adversity. Mm-hmm. And adversity is different for everyone. And, you know, especially in Southwest Louisiana right now, there's a lot of people that are hurting still. But everyone faces adversity differently, and everyone everyone's going to experience it at some point. And the game of baseball is it's not anywhere close to what other people are feeling. But that game is designed to overcome failure. You're going to go to the plate, and you're going to get out. If you're an all-star, you're going to be out 7 out of 10 times. You, you are not going to succeed 70% of the time, and you're still the best in the game. you know. And overcoming that, you're going to lose about as much as you win. And, and you're going to have terrible travel. You're going to, you know, you're going to be sore. You're going to be tired. You're going to have problems. And you're going to go out there, and especially in the professional world, you know, you're getting paid to play. And you're getting paid by people who left their job at a factory 
to come bring their family out for a night of entertainment. They may have a kid that will never see you play again, and the kid wants to make sure, or you should, you should make sure that you're not being a jerk, throwing your bat and throwing your helmet and throwing a fit on the field. You know, that, that, that matters. But overcoming adversity is probably the most important thing that I learned uh, in baseball. The competitive side of things, that just kind of comes naturally to me. Uh, teamwork is a very important aspect of what, you know, what we do now. And, I mean, I kind of alluded to that earlier. You know, we, I truly believe that, you know, yes, I'm the husband and the father, but I'm a teammate to my wife and my child, my children, my family, the people that are relying on me. I'm, I'm truly their teammate. We're all in it together. And, and you know, when, when we win, we all win. And when we lose, we all lose. And, and going through life from that perspective has helped me, I think, to become a better person. And the competitive side of it has helped me to become a better version of myself. You know, every day kind of wanting to get a little bit better and a little bit better and doing things and taking people for where they are has really been uh, beneficial for me. Now, admittedly, that took time. That took time to understand how to get there. And a lot of that has to do with my wife, you know, helping me to understand who I was as a person, helping me to understand, you know, the gifts and talents that I that I did have internally, and then also helping me understand how to best use those gifts and talents to help other people. You know, we were talking at lunch, you know, recently um, the community lost somebody, uh, another lawyer here in town, Kevin Milliken, who also played uh, professional baseball for a period of time. And one of the things that they said during his eulogy was that, uh, you know, when it was time for him to make that call, he said he was ready to quit the game to do something that mattered. Um, do you feel that that's the same thing uh, going on from you leaving professional baseball to transitioning into school and the professional life? I got chills when you said that. Um, it. I don't know if I could say that necessarily I, that I had the same feeling then, but I certainly have the same feeling now that, you know, back then it was a game and it was entertaining for people and it was an outlet for, for us to go out and compete. But like I said, it really didn't change the narrative. Like you won or you lost and didn't matter. Now coming here, you know, you win and lose still. But when you win and lose now, you're, you know, you're, 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 intimately involved with someone's case or someone's life problems. Um, I, I definitely agree with that. And I'll tell you back when, when my time came and I was always one of those guys that said, you know, you're going to have to beat me and you're going to have to take my cleats and hide them and throw my, <laughs> throw my, throw my uniform away or whatnot. But honestly, the year I'd gotten married and, and I think I realized at that point that there was something bigger to life than baseball for the first time in my life, I had realized like I have real responsibilities now. I'm a husband. I'm the leader of a household. I'm, you know, we're working towards building a family, building the future. And I didn't know if it was in baseball. And so I spent the first part of that season, honestly praying about my decision. And I had made my mind up that I was going to hang him up. The guy that said, you'd have to steal my cleats and burn my uniform. I was, I made my mind up in, in September. I was done. And, um, I didn't tell my wife at the time, but when I got released, it was such a relief for me. And I didn't understand why at the time. I really didn't. When I got released, it was just like, oh, oh well, you know, I'm not, I'm, I can finally let my hamstring heal or my knee's not going to, I'm not going to tear another ligament in my knee now. Um, but when I told her, I came outside and her credit, she said, look, wherever you want to go, whatever you want to do, I'm with you. I'm behind you. Yeah, truly. And so truly. that moment, you know, when, when you realize that your childhood dream is ripped from your hands, but then you're looking at what you have in the future. I was so relieved and so thankful for that opportunity and having her there in that moment 
that it, you know, I didn't have any problems with, with the transition. And I was thankful for that. Um, in Kevin's case, I can certainly, I can certainly agree with what he has to say. I think that, you know, one of the things that we do now and part of, you know, my, my agent in the past and part of what I do in my current practice is you know, we, we live under a set of core values that are non-negotiable. And, and what, one thing we do now, we look at the way that we make an impact on people. So much so that my email signature has a quote from Jackie Robinson about your life is not important except for the impact it leaves in other people's, other people's lives. And that's, that's a mantra that we try to live by every day. So while, like I said, I, I didn't have the same experience Kevin had, but I certainly understand and agree with, with his position on that. Okay. Let's hop over to another little question I got for you. <clears throat> Being comfortable with oneself. Um, I think you and I have talked a little bit about being comfortable with who you are and not being somebody you're not for other people. And you've gone through a little bit of the, I mean, you've witnessed the fly happenings of hot dogs over here. <laughs> it's been a good help for you, I'm sure. But talk about a little bit, talk about a little bit of that transition. Cause I honestly have been uh, touched by it. Do you mind sharing some of sure, that? Sure. No problem. So, you know, growing up, I think everyone, and, and one thing I want to say too, is like everyone, everyone's going through something and it's hard to say that we're all in the same boat here. We're not in the same boat. We're all in the same storm. We're all in different boats. We're all in different paths. We're all in different journeys. And so part of my journey was, you know, I was always the type of person that wanted to be affable, likable, wanted to fit in. And in doing so, I lost a lot of my identity early on at a young age, you know, even heck up through a couple of years ago. You know, I'd, I wasn't 100% comfortable with who I am. And it took a lot of introspection. It took a lot of challenges. It took a lot of, of me um, finally being open and comfortable accepting that accountability, the ultimate accountability to myself and to my family before I said, hey, look, this is who I am. And this is, this is where I am. And this is what I'm about. And if you like me, great. If you don't like me, then that's fine. I, I'm not going to be concerned about what other people have to say or think or feel about me. Because I, I became comfortable in my skin. I became grounded um, in who I was and in, in my vision for where I was going and understanding the blessings that were surrounding me. And um, I made a decision to basically say, we're, you know, my little crew, we're on this journey now together. And I really don't care what happens outside of that. You know, it's, it's almost a laser-like focus on, on taking the next step and, and, and doing something to leave that impact, to leave that legacy. And I think a lot of that has to do with my daughter and with having, you know, being a father and realizing now, like, there's another human being that's counting on you that can't take care of themselves yet. She's five going on 15, but <laughs> she's, she can't do it all yet, you know. But there's going to be a point in time where she's going to grow up and she's going to meet somebody and she's going to want to go raise her family. And if I'm setting, if I'm truly setting an example for someone that, that I want her to find or someone like, I'm not saying I'm perfect by any means, but somebody that cares and somebody that tries and somebody that, that really honestly puts their family first and loses the selfishness. Cause a lot of that, Matthew, to your point is selfishness and coming from baseball and that identity, you know, you have to be selfish. You have a schedule, you have games to play, you have to work out, you have places to be. You have to be the selfish person in that situation and removing that selfishness and removing that sort of facade of the tough guy and really being vulnerable. I, honestly, 
I feel like has, has helped me find my constitution, my moral compass, my ethical compass where I am. And I'm comfortable where I am. And I know I still make mistakes to this day, but I'm comfortable owning those mistakes now where in the past I would shy away from them or try to change something about it or, you know, skate around it, hide it under the rug or something. And, and all I've found is that doing it that way only compounds a problem instead of addressing it head on and, and making a difference, making a change and being comfortable and willing and able to do that. I think it's an awesome, awesome comment. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of speechless just sitting back. I don't need to ask anything because it's such a great, a great testimony and message. And, um, you know, we talked about this before. Garth Brooks has this song, uh, one of God's greatest, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers, you know. And I think a lot of people, they talk about reaching the pinnacle in life, you know, in this case, professional ball. And, like, when that's no longer a reality, like, their world shuts down. Like, these astronauts, once they make it to the moon and they get back, they're like, they go into depression and alcoholism because... I mean, what else is there to do after going to the moon? And um, it's just cool to see that, at least for our listeners, a lot of them might have, you know, been at the top of the world, in their world, and it, it fell apart, and they don't see hope. They don't see that life can be 10 times more amazing, a 1,000 times more amazing on the other side. And um, it's just cool to hear those encouraging words because, you know, a lot of people don't have that, um, don't have someone to see it in them. You know, I'm like you, you know, it's like we, you and your spouse kind of do it together, but now you can be that person for those who maybe are weaker or don't have support and hopefully people are hearing you and you're also kind of giving them that encouragement to say look you might have been at the top of the world you might have had everything you thought you wanted but god's got so much more for you on the other side and it's cool i was wondering was it so it was your daughter that caused that shift was there anything like was it a a slow process was it something that you just started to observe like what was sort of that what backed you into a corner where you were like okay you know i'm burning the bridges there, yeah. that, I, I couldn't agree more with you. To those people out there that are listening to this and they think they've reached the top and they're, they don't know what to do, you put one foot in front of the other and you keep going because there's something else out there for you. You just don't know it yet, and you're not supposed to know it yet. You're going to know it in, in due time, God's time. And that's honestly, you know, trying to trying to make the plan happen really only confuses and frustrates people. Um, so if you're listening and this helps you, I hope, I hope that you understand, just keep, keep going. Uh, to answer your question, Craig, I, I would say it was probably a little bit of a gradual deal. I was at a point, you know, when kids come along and I mean, I'm being a father, I don't have the relationship necessarily that my wife does. I mean, she, she grew this human being, you know, there, there's a different, different level there. And, you know, being my first child, she rocked my world. I mean, there's this, all of a sudden this new person that's crying all the time, you know, you have all these additional responsibilities on top of, you know, your day-to-day life. But there came a point where I came home one day and I was personally unfulfilled. I was professionally unfulfilled. I just didn't feel like I was, I didn't feel that competitive fire burning inside of me. I didn't feel like I was doing enough. And I remember looking at her and, and you know, almost in a way promising her, like, I'm never going to let her down. And that challenged me to say, okay, like now, um, you know, I can let her down personally, I can let her down professionally, or I can do something about it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was in a, I was borderline depressed, if I had to say. I mean, I didn't, I didn't seek the help of a mental health advocate, although I'm a very big mental health advocate now based on that experience. Um, but going in, and, and, and I realized that every day is a choice. 
when you get out of bed and you put your feet on the ground, you have a choice to go out and do something, you know, for your family or for yourself or whatever it is. And, and I made the choice to, to make a change for my daughter, for my wife, you know, because they are the most important part of my life. And they're, you know, I, I could honestly, you know, do any job in the world. Uh, yeah, I'm a lawyer. That's great. But it's not who I am. You know, I practice law, but I'm, I'm a dad. I'm a husband. And it doesn't matter what I do. It's It matters who I am. And it matters to me that I provide them, at least her. I mean, my wife is good as gold anyway. Um, but I at least provide that example for my children that, hey, look, this is this is what you can do. This is how you can this is how you can make an impact for other people. So, Justin, um, man, now that you've kind of you're in this new frame of mind, this new way of looking at life and you're kind of tackling it with this sort of unrelentless courage, you're just wide open. How does it feel like? I mean, you know, you talked about being yeah. in that dark side and I think we've yeah. all shared at times these dark moments. But when you cross that light and you're just you're living life on your terms, you're, you're, you're all you want to be for your family and you're just giving it your all. How's it feel? I mean, it's liberating. Honestly, you know, it, no doubt we've talked about that. Yeah. It's, it's liberating, man. You know, going through what I went through younger in my life, you know, there's so much pressure that other people put on you to do and perform and to be and whatever. And now I have probably more pressure on me, but I put it on myself and in that process is liberating to me because now I feel like I'm in a position where I know who I am. I'm very comfortable with who I am. And I have a lot more, you know, I hate to say the word control, but I have a lot more, I have a lot more to say about the direction we're going now because I do know I'm comfortable in my own skin and I know where I want to be. And, you know, Craig, you and I were talking before the podcast about like this artwork, right? Mm -hmm. Like life is is beautiful and it should be beautiful and you should have the ability to go out and create and to do something to leave something behind and if you're doing it for other people mm-hmm. it's not going to be the best version of the painting it's not going to be the best outcome that you're looking for if you're doing it for you know the purposes that that I feel like I'm doing it for it is certainly liberating cuz now I feel like I know that at the end of the day it's it's you know the three of us right now and the little one on the way it's us kind of against the world and we're, we're going to go out and everything we do is going to be for the best interest of the family. And, and now it's taken all the extra stuff that doesn't need to be considered off the table. And it's, it's liberating. It's very empowering to, to, for me, that's how I feel about it. That's beautiful, man. Thank you. Okay, JB. We're on our way. <laughs> <laughs> Toward, uh, I don't know what's so funny about that, but we're rolling our way over toward the good old question we like to ask all our guests. I know you prepped, you ready? Would I didn't, you rather? I didn't want I like you, you <laughs> to uh, tell us at the lunch that we had, even though you seemed really excited to tell us. And I said, man, I want to hear this fresh off the plate. So it is. Who or what do you think is driving your car? I'm going to throw you a curveball. <laughs> Before I answer the question. Okay. As appreciation for you guys having me on the podcast, I brought you all a little gift. Man, nice. John so, is going right. to go crazy so, for this. I know oh it. Oh, my gosh. First and foremost, there's your gift. You can open it now. Okay. And then I brought Craig and John a personalized <laughs> sign yes. card. Sweet. Y'all, we have official autographed baseball card. Look at that guy. This is awesome. This is, hold on. What's going on here? <laughs> 
we would formally like to ask you to be our child's godfather. Wow. On the air. On the oh, podcast. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Man. That's awesome. Thank you. This is one of the best days of my life. <laughs> <laughs> For real, I would be honored. Yeah, he told me right before you showed up. He's like, oh, did ask you really? Here. I'm like, yeah. Man, dude, that'd be great. <laughs> I've been wanting to ask you for a while. Autumn's been wow. on board, but she said, hey, no. you she's a, she's a real outward gesture person a lot of times. She's a big, her love language is acts of service and, and uh, quality time. And so this is one of those things that uh, she said, dude, you got to do, you gotta do something about like, it. Yeah. Yeah. So good. No, thank you so much. I am honored. Well, blessed, we're excited. Thankful. Yes. Man, some fly happenings coming for this guy. I'm going to go through the stats. I gotta hey, the knock them out. <laughs> knock them out. Wait, I told I, you I, earlier I'm, I'm not a very good hitter. You still had cards. Huh. Yeah, That's they're, cool. They're in the safe, man. That's so cool, man. Man, the I look on They're personalized. The yeah. not messing around here. So a funny story about that, and then we'll answer the question. And it's to John. I like that, too. Well, and to CC, yeah. But no, the, the Diamondbacks had a rule. That's what I played for. The organization had a rule that you couldn't have a beard. And I'm a beard guy. I love beards. You can only have the facial hair like a goatee or, you know, mustache kind of deal. Yeah. And one day I was in a slump, or I was in a slump a lot, but I was in this particularly bad, <laughs> I was in a particularly bad slump. And I shaved my I shaved my goatee into the mustache and like the Fu Manchu style going down. The big handlebars. Yeah, it was awesome. And then uh, I was chewing a big wad of bubble gum blowing a bubble and they took my picture so there's some picture on the internet somewhere of me with Fu Manchu giant bubble my wife is I'm sure tried to scrub it but <laughs> it's a pretty bad picture but to answer your question um growth is what's driving my car oh man a creative answer yeah so the way I look at it the way I look at it is growth not only personal growth every day trying to be a little bit better version of myself um, trying to be a better husband and father and friend and and you know son, brother, whatever, um, but also professional growth, trying to find more innovative ways to, to help people, um, doing things that, you know, are a little unconventional sometimes from a lawyer standpoint, taking the, taking the charity case or, or, um, you know, really pushing the boundaries of what we can do for people. But, uh, that growth process, going back and looking on things, I think that that's, that mindset has been driving my car for a long time. I just didn't know how to properly uh, educate myself on that. Man, fantastic answer. Very out of the box. I like it. Thank you. That's great. Yep, it was a new one. That's the first time we've had growth. Well, buddy, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. Maybe one of the best memories that, in my life. I'm not going to forget the day. A shout out to Autumn. I want to thank you for that. And Sweet Palmy. Um, Should we call you the Don now, though? Can we change your name from Hot Dog to the Don? <laughs> you can call me whatever makes you happy, buddy. <laughs> Um, and I want to thank you for coming on just as a personal aside. I, I am not saying that in any slight to JB, but when I did meet you, I was like, I mean, Justin's a pretty intimidating fella at times. Uh, how tall are you? Six, two. You're only six, two. <laughs> I think you'd be six, four. Um, <laughs> but I remember meeting you. I think it was like, I had met you a time or two and I know Shane known you, but not known you when like we were going to gate on. I think you were on the day, the mm -hmm. day before I went and I remember you bumbling around upstairs a little bit and I was I was just uh, immediately associated you with baseball player. And then we've gotten to know each other very well. And Justin compliments me in a lot of ways that I don't compliment my own self. Um, studious, phenomenal lawyer, good person, family guy. And so I think that it's been neat to be part of the journey, watching you go through um, some of the things and seeing God's calling. Uh, reminds me a lot of y'all too, dude. Super involved with his kids, uh, with Palmer. You take her to school, pick her up a lot. Not going to miss. He and I were talking about going to Missouri. 
not going because it was around the time of the first week of school. Just wanted to make sure to be there. So I got a lot of respect, admiration for you, and thank you for coming on, man. Thank you. Thank you. And that's to, to end on that point, one lasting thing is, you know, you mentioned earlier, don't judge a book by its cover. You never know where people are in mm-hmm. their journey, in their life. And I think we all have it coming upon ourselves to try to find people and take them where they're at and try to help them any way that we can from wherever they are to wherever they need to be. Amen, brother. Amen. All right, my man. And all right, podcast world. We appreciate y'all listening. If you get a chance to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, we would appreciate it. And until next time, we'll catch y'all later. Hey, y'all. If you've been enjoying picking up what we've been laying down, subscribe and never miss an episode. Find us on social media and let us know who's driving your car this week. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Who's Driving Your Car Podcast. Perfect timing, sun is shining, nothing more I need. Yeah. If you feel like this your best life, won't you sing with